this one, we heard cowboy boots walking around. We were sitting in this one little room and we heard cowboy boots walking around our room and yet no one was there. And all of you heard the same thing. All of us heard it. It was all an objective experience. We all heard it. Objective means everyone can see the same thing versus a sub- subjective experiences like, well, one person will, will quote unquote hear it or see it. We all heard it. The two of us went in the hallway and we both heard a voice in our, like, speak to us in, like, it was right outside of. Hi guys, I'm talking today with Mariah. Mariah is a medium and I found her on social media because she always posts these really well thought out, intelligent comments on so many of my posts. And I just wanted to speak with her further. So Mariah, you can do a much better job of introducing yourself than I can. <laughs> okay. Well, it's it's good to be here. And thank you for asking me to speak with you and chat with you, actually. And so I'm a psychic, a medium, and a paranormal investigator. Um, I've been, I, I've been a paranormal investigator a lot, a little bit longer than a psychic and medium. I've been doing investigating for about 11 years. And then a few years later, my abilities, spirits like, okay, now it's time to show her what she can do, or at least kind of dangle that carrot in front of her, her face. So I'm really passionate about both investigating as well as mediumship and psychic work, um, proper psychic and mediumship work. It's and and proper investigating and just learning and knowledge and empowering people. So it's um, I, I think after all these years, I've come to that point of like, okay, I know enough now where it's I can start speaking about it and sharing about it. And and like you mentioned, it's sometimes you'll make a comment or someone will make a comment and it's just adding just a little bit more. And then it's always honoring and respecting everybody else. And this, whatever I say is from my experiences and in my opinion, even when it's written and even verbally today. So, but um, yeah, so I love being a a medium. I love being a, a paranormal investigator and I love kind of combining. And I also, um, have studied parapsychology. So I'm, I, I call myself a parapsychology enthusiast. So I incorporate that in my investigations, as well as the spiritual mediumship. So in the investigations, so I figure it's like a little trifecta, you, you can't have one without the other. Yeah, I already have 800 questions for everything <laughs> you just said. But yeah. first, just I'm going to define parapsychology. To yeah. anyone listening, that is the study of paranormal, which means not explicable by what we would call materialism or normal means, such as mediumship, psychic abilities, remote viewing. So I'm going to ask you, so first, you said you got interested in paranormal investigation before you even knew you were a psychic or a medium. And also, if anyone doesn't know Mariah hasn't seen her, she has been on the Netflix Surviving Death show as the investigator which i will have some questions about (laughs) too which episode was that in again it was episode five and 
I'm at the very beginning and it's over a little bit of time, but I'm at the very beginning, episode five. Yeah. It was a really fun episode. And so now onto my questions. First, can you describe what is it a paranormal investigator does? And I'd also love to know how you began to do that in the first place. Um, I, I was always curious about like ghosts and UFOs and, you know, Bigfoot, all that kind of the mystical things and the magical side of, of what we don't always see or, you know, some the magical things of what we believe in. And I think it was when it's been a while, but I think the show started, the paranormal show started coming on and that was just really intriguing. It was interesting to me. And so I started watching them. This was a long time ago. I don't watch any of them now. And then I think it was just, um, I, I just, it was just learning. How, it, it was just very natural for me. I just had this natural curiosity. And I know that um, my best friend and I, we went to New Orleans to do a, uh, a real, when I, I'm saying in air quotes, so it wasn't commercialized. It wasn't, you know, fear-based. It was just like, let's see if we could interact with the spirits of this one in this one ballroom. And so I was working with dowsing rods and my friend was using, it was a small group. But anyway, long story short, we connected, there were, I mean, in New Orleans, you have, you know, spirits everywhere. <laughs> oh my goodness. But, um, so I had my first real experience, um, with spirit in New Orleans. And then, Ever since then, it just, my ability started changing. Spirit work started working with me differently. I mean, to be honest, I started off as a, um, and I know I'm kind of going back, I'll go back to the paranormal aspect, but spirit, I started off as a trance medium. And trance mediumship is when the medium kind of goes into an altered state and they kind of step aside and become the passenger in blending with, with different kinds of, well, different spirits. So it was very natural for me. And then a few years. That was the very first thing you did? That was the very first thing. And I didn't know about it. And us also people will know it as channeling, where it, in different cultures and different circles, you'll hear, you know, it's, it, 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 it's more, it's called trance channeling in a way, or being a trance medium. So, I mean, that's a whole topic in itself. But anyway, and then later on down the line, spirits like, okay, we're going to let her know that she's also a mental mediumship with, which means I don't have to be an altered state per se to connect with the, with, with the spirit world. And I can have a back and forth conversation, but anyway, I kind of diverge, but knowing that the curiosity, again, Lizzie was just so natural of, of like, well, let me try this or let me try that. And then I would, I, I have to admit, you know, I'd watch the shows and learn how what they were doing and what the, what was getting them interaction so I try that but then locally we had a and I live in San Francisco and we had a um a local ghost group that we would go to different haunted places and so there was a, a gal who would um lead the groups and so I'd kind of follow her lead and just kind of learn as, as you go along so that I would learn you know different equipment and this and that it so it just kind of over the years it's just changed and I'm still learning about it. I mean, I'm always going to be a student of the paranormal, meaning how spirits are different. I'm always I'm always a student of their world, and that includes how they interact with us. So I have a lot of questions about all of that. I know that it's a big topic, but... 
First of all, let me ask, because you were talking about the experience in New Orleans, what yeah. happened there? If you don't mind my asking, how do you feel you did connect with this Garnet business? The, the thing is, I think so many of us have, you know, it's not really paranormal, it's normal. We, we all have these experiences when we were children or just, and the thing is, spirit, when, when they interact with us, it can be so subtle. So I think a lot of times we don't even realize we're having an, a, an experience with spirit. Um, but it, that, it was also a little bit of a knowing. And there's a difference, I think, in this work is between believing and knowing. I knew I was connecting with a spirit because she affected my emotions. I started feeling incredibly sad. And I even, in my head, I'm just like, wow, I've never been this sad. Not even when my mom died, not even when my cat died. These are not my emotions. So it was a natural awareness on my part. I didn't question it. But here, and also just a little sidebar, I'm also a, very much a skeptic. I'm a healthy skeptic. I don't take things at face value. So I'm always looking, well, what about this? Or why is this going on? So I'm a skeptic even as a medium. So, <laughs> but the way spirit interacted with me in New Orleans was, I, it was, I, I knew I, I, had, I was working with dowsing rods and there was this woman here who was waiting for her loved one to come back from war. And I could feel her sadness of just th that, that longing for someone because spirits will work with us with our same emotions. Like they knew, I knew the feeling of missing someone, you know, and they would work, you know, we all have that common feeling. And then I just said, okay, and this was all new to me. So I had my dowsing rods and I'm like, okay, well, let's, and for some reason I wanted to ask her what she was wearing like the color of her dress. I had a feeling she had, had a dress on. So I would, I had um, the dowsing rods and I would say, Oh, is your dress, you know, red and it didn't move. And then I just went through some colors and I said, is it kind of an off white? And then it crossed. So I was excited. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm getting interaction here. So we didn't have a lot of time. So I, you know, the, the lady's like, okay, we need to move I'll move on. So I told her, the spirit in my mind, I, I said, okay, it was really nice to meet you. I hope to meet you again and come back. And at that second, it was like a baseball bat hit my stomach. I lost my breath and I said, oh my God, I miss him so much. And my, thankfully my best friend was there. So she saw all this happening and I started crying and they were not my tears but the spirit was blending with me so much that she was making my emotions so I would cry. And then the, and that's what I felt I'm like, wow, I've never been this sad. And then anyway, the spirit, you know, I, we disconnected. And so I knew there, I'm like, what is this? What's going on? And so that was my first interaction with spirit and, and exploring and learning and researching, like, well, what just happened? What did I do? Cause there wasn't a lot of information out there. So, but finally now I know what happened. And, and so it, I mean, it was, if anybody wants to, any lay person wants to have an experience, go to New Orleans, <laughs> set the attention and pay attention. Then you'll, you more than likely will have one. <laughs> so how would someone set the intention? Even in no matter where you are, if you want to connect with your loved ones who've passed, it's always, and, and releasing all expectations of what you want to happen or hope to happen. It's just like, you know, I would love to just, and I'm going to say this, and I feel like I'm directed to this, of 
talking about our loved ones. Because I feel that so many people feel like the need to have to go to a mediumship reading to have that experience. And I, and even with, you know, and I, and I know you're a little bit about your journey and, and honestly, people don't medium, don't need mediums. They don't need to come to me because it's so important. And I try to empower uh, the, my sitter, my clients. And it's like you, it's, it's so important. You learn how to have a different kind of relationship with your loved one. So when I say setting intentions, it's like, even at night, you have like maybe five, 10 minutes and you just sit in the quiet, you can light a candle and just talk to your loved ones, just speak to them and just set the intention to have another moment with them, have another moment with their love because they feel that they hear that. And so then you can ask them because the thing is spirits, you have to ask spirit. They won't always do things on their own. You really have to ask them. And trust me, it, when it's the right time and it's supposed to be, it'll work. <laughs> um, just say, I'd love to just feel you. I, I would love to just, you know, give me a sign. I, I know that's a big thing. We resonate with one another. There, we have a love, con- a heart to heart connection. So, spirits gonna, our loved ones are gonna do everything they can to let us know they're with us. And again, it could be so subtle. It's not sometimes. It's not always gonna be a bunk on the head. Although we, some of us would love it. Um, because it just, oh, well, this proves that they're there. And so a lot of it's just releasing that expectation. And then you never know what, what gift spirit will have, will give to you by again, sending the intention of just interact with me, however way, you know, how, because lots of times just because spirits are in the spirit world, that doesn't mean they're all knowing. I don't know if you remember the, the movie ghost where, where Sam had to learn how to move the penny from another spirit who learned, who knew how to move things. So it's, it's the same thing. Spirits may not always know how to do certain things, but they're going to try their darndest. (laughs) So some spirits or, you know, people who've passed away or animals who passed away might Mm -hmm. be really good and knowledgeable at how to communicate with us. And some might not, and some might have to learn just like people who are skilled mediums here and people who aren't and those of us with varying degrees. So it's the same for those over there. Exactly. And even the wording is interesting is, you know, over there, actually they're right beside us. They're just a thought away. So there's not, they're not, our loved ones are not up or over. They're literally just a thought away. But for, for the sake of conversation, you know, when they transition into becoming into the spirit world, there is a learning curve there too. Some are just amazing. They just know, I don't know how that works, but I mean, I I remember this one class, this, what it was a story where it took this one medium who passed, it took her eight years to learn how to communicate with other mediums when she, after she passed. So, you know, you would think someone who is a medium would be the best. No. I know what you just said that some, you know, it's not like they're above or beyond or over there. I tend to think of it after studying this infrared, ultraviolet, you know, sounds that dogs hear that we can't. Like they're around us, but it's not a form that our bodies can perceive for most of us. Yeah, they're they're invisible, but we don't know what, you know, spirits are made of. I will ask that in my investigations. I'm like, so what are you made of? And all of them, I would say 95% of the responses, whoever, whatever spirits are, they go energy. And it's, it's great because it's 
you hear everybody can hear it with on the recordings. And then I ask, well, what kind of energy? And then it, that's when it kind of goes radio silent. I've gotten some spirits going, I don't know. <laughs> so it, it, so that's a, that's a kind of always a follow-up question, which I have yet to hear an answer yet. Maybe it's inexplicable with what we understand, just like you couldn't really explain what hearing or seeing was like to a blind person, a blind person seeing a deaf person hearing. Right. Because so many times people go, I want to hear from, you know, I want to hear from this. I want to see this. And yet spirit will give them a subtle sign, like leaving coins. If someone sees a coin in a random place and they dismiss it, spirit's going to go, oh man, they missed it. Now I got to try something else. But I've been doing this work and seeing this enough to know that spirits will work with our computers. They will work with the um, Siri. Um, They will work with like a lot of one of my friends, she has this automatic um, like thermostat, like, and you talk to it and it's, it's enough to go because they're going to do everything they can to let us know that we're here, that they're there. Why then do some people seem to get these amazing communications and signs from their loved ones and some people aren't getting anything? Um, I think in my opinion, it's sometimes people are just, they may say they're open, but they're really, there's for whatever reason, there's just a little bit of fear there. They're not, they're not in the right space because sometimes they're just so in grief and the thing is spirit sees the bigger picture. And I, and I also, it's just, again, it's so subtle and people sometimes say, if, if, if you exist, I want you to show me this, or you're going to show me this. They have expectations. So I think a lot of times, not all, but I think a lot of people have certain expectations. And when that expectation is not met, therefore, therefore in their mind, it doesn't exist or, well, I'm not seeing anything, but they probably really are. They're just, they're not paying attention per se, or they're looking the wrong way. So you also said that you, before becoming involved in paranormal investigation, which we can, I'd love to go back to you initially were, uh, was it a, that you initially were channeling, you were a physical medium, not a physical medium, sorry, you didn't do physical phenomena, but you did channeling. Um, am I right? Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, trance channeling, yeah, which is is when you allow, again, it's when you allow a spirit to blend with you so well, you almost become that. You you just be, you take on the mannerisms. You you can also take on their voice. You set, you start sounding like them. So you almost become them. Because I, me, Mariah, my consciousness steps out of the way, and I allow spirit to blend with me so much. And that's different than a normal mental mediumship reading. In what way? How does how is that different for you? In this case, other mediums. This is how other mediums work. So it's not just me. How I work may be a little bit different, but trance mediums, we work the same way. So we all go into a certain altered state. Some have to go a little bit deeper. Some can be more aware and still work. So there's different varying degrees of how we work. But the process is really much the same as we are all going into an altered state and allowing spirit to just, I don't want to say take over, but really blend with us. 
and we become them. Where mental mediumship is is when you go, it's it's mind to mind with the spirit. So I'm still full. I'm fully conscious. I'm not in an altered state. I am. I'm me. Mariah is fully here. I, my mind is, well, it shouldn't be, but my mind and everything's firing. All my, my senses are firing and I'm aware of when spirit, um, when I'm aware of spirit. So, and I connect with them from mind to mind. So I don't allow them to completely, well, for the lack of better word, take over my body. So when you do the channeling type of mediumship, are you aware? Do you remember at all afterwards? Well, even with um, mental mediumship, you know, if you're real, if you're, if the medium's truly in the power, usually they won't remember a lot of what was said because their, their mind is not there. They're just so, they're in the power. With trance medium, it's, it's definitely when you go a little bit deeper, you will speak of things and talk of things that you know are not your own thoughts. Um, again, there's various levels of going into trance. Some you can just completely go under, and then that kind of goes moves into physical mediumship. Um, so there's varying degrees of, of, of trance. But but I, I the way I work, I'm aware of a little bit of what I'm saying, and because I'm kind of taking, I'm in the passenger seat, and I'm kind of listening to like, wow, that that spirit's talking about that, and it's just kind of a feeling. It's real, like you said, it's it's really hard to describe. You just kind of, it's almost like when you play a role or you, you pretend like to be somebody, sometimes you get so into it. You're just like, you're just going by this, your imagination. You're just kind of going by the seat of your hands. Like you like and playing that role. But with me, it's a role, but I know it's a real role. I'm not making it up. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, as yeah. much as any of this makes sense. But I mean, it, there's so much to it that, you know, it's to listen. I think to, for anybody out there who's listening is a lot of people think they're do, they're, they're, they call themselves trans mediums or channelers per se, and they're just channeling their higher conscious. They're channeling different things about themselves of what they already know. But a true trans channeler is will really, truly step out of the way. And you'll sometimes if you're in the room with them, the energy will feel different. You can just feel things change. You, their words will not be their own. It's just like take on a whole different demeanor. And the words they use are often very wise if they kind of start connecting with a little bit um, more um, evolved spirits. But even they can connect like with the paranormal investigations kind of swinging back to that. I would apply my transmediumship to go into a place I didn't know about. And I like plug in directly to the spirit world. Like, let's say we're in this haunted mining town, like in Virginia City. I love Virginia City. I'll just set my intention, like, all right, let's see who's here. And I'll kind of shift my awareness, like, okay, whatever spirits want to talk, here's your time. I'm giving a voice to the invisible, whatever they need to say. And then suddenly I can feel my body changing, like, oh, there's somebody here. Oh, I'm getting a little bit angry or frustrated or sad or happy. And then they, I start blending with them. My spirit blends with them. And then I start speaking of like, um, they start telling me their story about maybe when they live there or whatever they need to say. So I don't think about it. I just let them talk. There's no, I just take, again, take the passenger seat, but it's really, it's once you see it, it kind of may help a little, I don't, you may have, but it just kind of, 
it's to experience it firsthand. Then you, it, then it helps people understand it a little bit better. It's kind of hard to explain, but I just take on a passive role and I let the spirit just kind of take, take over. I'm in full control. I want to make sure I'm in full control of what's happening. So it's not just, and it happens spontaneous too, which is kind of fun. So wait, you could be just having lunch at the grocery store and just be taken over. What does it happen spontaneously mean? No, 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 no. Only when I'm investigating. No, 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 no. That's the responsibility of the medium. I mean, they're, I mean, that goes into a whole new thing. No, that never, ever happens. Only when I'm in investigating, because I'm setting the intention, I'm like, you know what? And that's when I allow them, I give spirit permission to blend with me and to use me as their, as his channel. Then and then, then and only then will they like, okay, suddenly I'm like, oh, I just feel like someone just started. And I'm saying like, it's nothing negative. That's the thing. Something just jumped into me. Okay. Let's see where we're going to go. So you said the very first thing you did was, you know, channeling. That yeah. was your first experiences. So how did that even happen in the first place? That was it something you studied and seeked out? Was it something that just happened one day? It just happened. And here's the thing is I find that the experiences we have, so many of us have had them since we were children. Some of us, we have our own curiosity but I feel that when it comes to our own abilities and our own experiences and what we see and do, there's always the right time. I had to go through my life and my life experience up to that point. Because so I was a concierge for, gosh, that was probably about at least 10 years at that point. I was in my mid-30s and but then suddenly, for whatever reason, spirits, I was at the right place at the right time. And spirits like, all right, we've been waiting for her and go. <laughs> and so they just said, okay, here we go. I mean, I never knew what channeling was, but, and then that whole New Orleans thing happened. I'm like, wow, okay, this is something I can do. But again, I was never afraid of it. It was very natural for me. So then I had to learn, well, what did I just do? And luckily the woman there, the, the docent said, oh my gosh, you're channeling that woman. Okay. But what was the first time? Because you, you said all this. That was, a, that was the first time. Oh, I thought you were saying all this stuff started happening way before New Orleans. No, not at all. That was, I went to New Orleans because I love New Orleans, but I went on a paranormal investigation to just have that, you know, well, let's see if spirit wants to interact because there weren't any, I, there were only the shows there. And I mean, there were books, you know, some books I read as a child, but I never learned about it and I never went to seek out of it. They, they sought me out. So tell me how you first got into paranormal investigation, because it sounds like you had a quote unquote normal job using quotes because one day, hopefully, this will all just be considered normal. You were a concierge and then got really interested in paranormal investigation. I think it, it really was heightened because I was always fascinated with ghosts, with just things. I think it was just innate in me that I always had a curiosity. Uh, I think it, like I said, it was, I think it was just the time when the paranormal show, the reality, quote unquote, reality shows were starting to come up on TV. And I thought, wow, this is really neat. Because I know there was, um, 
oh my gosh, back in the day, there was like unsolved mysteries and things like that. And that just always interesting. But then these investigative shows, I think it was Ghost Hunters was on and I was just like, wow. And Ghost Adventures, like, wow, this is really cool. And so that just speak, um, um, sparked my interest even more. And then I, I think just the public started, you know, that kind of caught on. It was a new form of entertainment. It was a new interest. And so it's like, oh, okay. And so more opportunities were there. So it was just an opportunity I took when I went to New Orleans because they were having the tours. So of all the investigations you've done, is there one that stands out as like the most what the fuck, evidential, amazing, beautiful, whatever, however you want to say? Is there one that really stands out to you? Oh, God, there's there's so many for different reasons. And I know you mentioned evidential and so many experiences happen spontaneously. Like you can't even prepare. I mean, uh, like even with, uh, and I'm sure Lloyd has mentioned this, Lloyd Auerbach, um, the parapsychologist who I learned a lot, well, everything about the parapsychology aspect of this. And, you know, whenever I have a question, I'll call him up like, Lloyd, what do you think about this or what this and that? But um, so much happens like behind the camera, behind the video camera, behind the just behind the scenes. Um, so it's when you least expect it, you can have the most amazing experiences. And it's, you know, it's like, well, is this proof? Is this this? It's more of like, you just know. And it, it it's something that you feel just with every moment of your existence, every fiber you made up, you just know this happened. Um, I think it was one of my first invest, one of my formal first public investigations was out in Death Valley, Death Valley Junction, which is um, kind of, it's kind of Southern um, Nevada on the border of California and Nevada. And there was this theater and I, and I, it was a, a theater, it was a working theater, a performing theater. And I pulled back the curtains in the back and I saw this beautiful ball of glitter. It was probably about three and a half. It was, I was probably about maybe 20 feet away from it, but it was about maybe about three feet wide. And it just sat there glowing and it was like glitter. And I, it was one of those things like in the cartoons, you kind of rub your eyes, like, what am I seeing? Oh my God, what am I? Cause you can't, I've never seen anything before. So my mind's like, what is that? But yet my soul knew what it was. It was like, oh, that it was just, it was just calming and peaceful and loving. And this light was, was emanating that. And so, and then suddenly it just started fading away and it just disappeared. And the back, it lit up the entire back. There was no light in the back behind the, the behind the curtains. And then it just dissipated and disappeared. And I just had to have a moment it's like, wow, I didn't question what it was. It was like, I'm like that, that's what spirit is that, or one, one visual aspect of it. So that was almost like, and I'm kind of getting, it's interesting because I'm getting, getting emotional because it just dawned on me. It's like, they're, and that they're like, well, welcome to our world. As I'm sitting here thinking it, because I didn't have any expectations of going into, well, I want to hear this. I want to see this move. I want this and I want that because it's not about us. It's about them and having that kindness and compassion and 
hearing their story and just experiencing their world, but also having to integrate with ours sometimes. So that was beautiful. But I, I do have to say, in in Virginia City, it's it, oh my god, it's changed now. But in the wash the the Washoe Club in uh, Virginia City, I have my own theories now of what's going on, but. We would hear, I was in this one investigation there because I've been many times, but this one, we heard cowboy boots walking around. We were sitting in this one little room and we heard cowboy boots walking around our room and yet no one was there. And all of you heard the same thing. All of us heard it. It was all an objective experience. We all heard it. Objective means everyone can see the same thing versus a sub- subjective experiences like, well, one person will will quote unquote, hear it or see it. We all heard it. The two of us went in the hallway and we both heard a voice in our, like speak to us in, like it was right outside of our, I mean, spoke in our ear. We didn't, I couldn't make out what was said and neither could she. They just know that we're here and we can sense them. And then I think a lot of them experiment, like, because now that I can start hearing them, they're like, can you hear me? Can you hear me? It's like, yeah. And I think they also have a learning too on their end too. But I, I would say that the Virginia City, I've had more experiences there than probably almost any other place. Wow, you're making me want to go. And you think an ordinary person, not that mediums aren't ordinary people, but just an ordinary person who isn't tuned in the same way could go there and have an experience. If you set, if you put that intention and pay attention, yeah, I think it's absolutely possible. And to release any expectations of what you want or hope to happen. You can always have the hope. And I say this to everybody. We all have hopes. I'm like, I really, and you tell them that you speak to spirits. You say, you know what? I would connect with me in any way you know how. And you release that expectation of what, of what you want to happen. Yes. Even I would love to have a full body operation in front of me. Yes. I would love to have certain things, but it doesn't always happen. <laughs> we all want that. I know we want like, we all want that. It's a holy grail of it. <laughs> full out-of-body experience or our loved one just sitting there materialized, right? Yeah. Too bad that can't just easily happen. Or Yeah. So now you also say you're a psychic and a medium. If you can explain the difference to everyone and then definitely will want to ask you about both of those experiences. Well, being a psychic is when someone, and I, we, all, we all are psychic. That's all our intuition. But some people have a little, are, have a little bit, are able to tune into a little bit more, you know? I'm going to actually say a lot more considering <laughs> if you compare sure. me to some of you guys. But here, and, and here's the thing is, even, and I've learned this from one of my beautiful just teachers and, and it just makes so much sense is even when you say, even our language of which we speak, well, I'm not very good. Well, therefore we are what we speak. The words we say, we almost put an unspoken damper on us. It's like, you don't know how psychic you are because you're not allowing yourself to be that. Right. You know, that kind of sounds like the sheep goat effect. So you guys know the sheep goat effect is how it seems someone's belief or lack of belief in psi or medium abilities affects the results of experiments. It's essentially been noticed when people are doing parapsychological experiments, those who believe psi and paranormal abilities are possible tend to score much higher than those who don't. 
And then I also wonder, like people like me, for example, and others who were told since we were little (laughs) that none of this is true, what would it be like if we had been told some of it could be Mm -hmm. true? Yeah. You ever wonder what mediums do with their free time? How about a 30-something-year-old gay medium living in New York City? Well, in this podcast, you're about to find out. Welcome to Ghost Daddy, a place where LGBTQ plus spiritual people and our cis-hetero allies, of course, have a place to just be themselves and spread their wisdom. This is the new face of spirituality. None of that love and light, toxic positivity crap. So pour yourself a vodka soda, (laughs) open up your mind, and start listening. You can listen to the Ghost Daddy podcast anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Approximately 185,000 murder cases went unsolved from 1980 to 2019. On average, 66% of homicides are solved each year. So what about the other 34%? Alarmingly, the number of murder cases that went unsolved by police hit a new high in 2020, resulting in only 50% of cases being solved, leaving far too many families with no answers, no resolution, no closure. That's why we investigate and report on unsolved cases, to spread the word in hopes of helping families who are searching for answers. We don't sleep, we're just actively looking for her. These girls were alive, they were living, breathing people, they weren't a picture in the media. There was a a body found in a truck recently. None of us know anything about that body, Who, who was it, what happened. What could have happened? Who could have been involved? There's no answer. And and it's just horrible. A true crime series investigating mysterious unsolved cases. Real people, real stories, real crimes. Tune into Speaking of Crime with your hosts, Gia and John. Available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. We are at Speaking of Crime on Instagram and Facebook and at Crime Speaking on Twitter. But yes, some people do have their abilities are 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 definitely stronger. Or but also, you know, if you put it's just like me, psychic and mediumship abilities. It's like playing the piano. I think if we all put some time in and work on it and train, some of us, excuse me, will have the natural ability. We can play a, a very um, difficult concerto, where some we can all play chopsticks. We can be taught how to play chopsticks, but then it's what you do with it. It's what you do with your abilities. But a psychic is when someone, a living person, when my spirit or my soul blends with your soul, when I connect from living to living and I perceive about what's going on in either your life, your emotions, I'm just blending with you and I can look at you know, it can be the now, it can be the past. I mean, there's so many different kind of psychic readings you can give, but it's a psychic is when 
my soul blends with your soul, a living soul. And you can also blend with other people too, other living. I don't, you don't have to always be in front of me. I can also tune into a location um, or an object or things like that. That's part of psychic work. But a medium, a medium is when my soul is connecting to a discarnate soul, an invisible, another, another, a person in spirit, and I'm receiving information from them. So, and I'm the third party. Or I mean, I'm sorry, I'm connecting with the third party. So psychic, you're connecting with energy and life of a living person. Yeah. And mediumship, it's someone who's deceased, and then you're connecting them with their loved ones who are here. So how does each one feel different to you? Um, it, it does feel different. And, um, and I'm sure you've, you've said uh, also, I'm sure you've heard this, you know, all mediums are psychic, but not all psychics are mediums. So because the mediums use their psychic facility to work. For me, and, and you will, I think, it, and I think a lot of mediums work this way, but again, a lot have their own ways of working too and sensing. For me, when I, I'm making this up, let's say I'm starting to connect with you and you're in front of me. And you don't even have to be physically in front of me. You can be on a, on a screen because all it is is I'm just tuning into your essence. I, no one needs to be actually physically in front of me. But anyway, um, I can feel spirit come from behind. It feels like... Um, like if you're, you're chatting and then you feel someone literally come up from behind and just stand there, you know someone's there. That's how it feels like with mediumship. Um, it's Again, it's really subtle. And so I, I'm receiving information of what they want to share with me. Um, I never ask questions. It's like, okay, I get to know them. It's kind of like if we're all at a little coffee table. It's like a reunion. You know, I can send someone's like, oh, hey, my name is Mariah. Who are you? And ideally they would tell you, but it doesn't always happen that way. And I just get to know them and then they tell me what they need to tell me so I can pass on to the sitter. Um, but it's a feeling from behind. With psychic work, um, I feel the information in front of me. It's it's just, um, I'm, I'm just perceiving information I'm, or I'm... I'm just kind of working with the energy, in, or I hate the word energy, but the, your essence and the information in front of me, not from behind. And what's interesting is sometimes, and for me, I can feel, I can sometimes, I'm like, okay, I'm aware of somebody, but the energy is kind of both behind me and in front of me. I know then that person is either in a coma, has, has Alzheimer's, or has dementia. And so, I'm like, oh, I feel some, oh, I feel like, and then I'm like, hang on. And then I start describing the personality of the person. I'm like, would you understand that this person, I feel like they either are, they have dementia and Alzheimer's. They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, so let's see why they're here or why I'm sensing them. But it's, it's, it, it really takes experience and the, and, and practice. And again, experience with the medium to know when, they're receiving information from on a mediumistic level to a psychic level. Cause a lot, I find a lot of mediums will give readings, but it's all psychic and they don't know the difference. So it's really important that the medium knows the difference between when it's they're receiving or they're perceiving their, what the evidence they're getting is psychic or medium mediumistic. Cause a lot of people, I don't think they always know the difference. And I think the more experienced mediums know the difference of when they slip back and forth. 
because I'll do that sometimes. So how would a medium know the difference? Is it just practicing? It's proper training. It's being being taught like, okay, this is, we're going to do the psychic work. This is where it feels, you know, where do you feel this? Where do you feel that? So it's, it's proper training and, and allowing the spirit, uh, allowing the medium to become aware of how they work. It's really important where I, I think a lot of mediums don't and psychics are not aware of how they work and they just work. Yes, that's good in some ways because it's just a trust. But for me, I think it's really important to know the difference because it makes a big difference in so many ways. And that comes more that the responsibilities and the accuracy. And even for, for you, for people who are just like, wait a minute. And that goes into the big questions like, well, are you picking this up from me psychically or are you getting it from spirit? How... How did you personally learn the difference? Did you train with someone that was amazing? Did you kind of figure it out after? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, just like, well, for me, I knew like a few years later after I realized I was a trance medium, spirit's like, okay, now we're going to teach her that she's also a mental medium, meaning she can sense when a spirit's in the room. And she can connect with them without going into a trance state. And that was my best friend's grandmother. She, she, she's like, hello. And so for me, you know, when it first started out, it's like, oh. And it was just a knowing and I didn't question it. It's like, oh, I feel someone in the Who are you? Oh, I'm Jenny's grandmother. Well, how do I know it's you? Well, I never met her middle son and I like to can pickles. Okay. And then I went to Jenny and I'm like, hey, is this your grandmother? And she goes, oh my gosh, yeah. But, you know, at that point, I knew I had this ability and I call it an ability because a lot of people call it a gift, but I think we all have this ability. I call it ability that I can gift to others. So I knew there was something there. And for me, my own personal, the way I work is I want to know more. What is this about? I'm really curious. I want to know the whys and hows and well, what about this and what about that? So I started, I found an online Martin Twycross. He's just, I don't know if you know him. He's a UK tutor. Um, he does amazing classes and he was just the fact he did, I don't know, at least 20 online lectures. And then we would ask questions and it was probably one of the best foundations I had. And then over a couple years, then I started, I was introduced, I went to a, um, an afterlife conference. Gosh, it's been so many years. But anyway, I, I discovered this one medium and she brought over a, um, a, U, uh, a UK medium. And that was my first introduction to that form of and, and style of teaching. And that was probably eight years ago, I think. And so I have tutored with, I, I've studied, I should say, I've trained with so many of the top UK mediums out there, you know, workshop after workshop after workshop, because just like anything, I want to be the best medium I can be. And I'm always going to be learning. And so, and it's, you know, a lot of mediums will go to different tutors and some don't resonate with them, but sometimes later on the line, they'll resonate with them because we're all different stages, just like going to school. Our second grade teacher is not going to be appropriate for when we're in eighth grade and vice versa. So as we develop, our, our tutors may change. We may resonate with a certain teacher or teaching method for different reasons. So I really just 
jumped right in and it's like, I want to be educated. I want to be trained properly. So going to these workshops, you know, exercise and practice, just everything. They taught me to, to properly know the difference between being going psychic and medium. But I also, I had to put it on self-work too. I can't, you know, part, I have to help with my development too. So, and it's just practice and awareness and so you said you've studied, you mentioned one name, Martin Twykoff, and I will put him in the show notes with a link to. I adore, um, and you can also put her in the lovely soul gardener, Austin Wells. She's, she was based down in um, Altadena. And um, I, Austin Wells, I love her to death. Um, she's become a dear friend of mine over the years. And she she's also a psychic and medium. And she had trained more and there's Arthur Finley College, which I'm sure you've heard of, which is the psychical school over in the UK where meet psychics and mediums go to study. It's a college. And you and you have all these phenomenal tutor, teachers there. Um, and so she brought one over to the States. And I started, I was exposed to him. And I loved his teaching. And so he would come out here every once in a while. And then it was just like the whole new thing. All the UK tutors were starting to be brought over here. Um, She tried to bring some. And then there was a spiritualist church out in New Jersey called The Journey Within. And they started bringing the tutors. And so, and then they would come out on, the tutors would come out here on their own. And it was just like, okay, I resonate with so many of these teachers and the method. And it's, it's serious work. And they took it seriously. So I was more exposed to them. They, they made themselves available. Um, there was, and here's the thing is there was a quality is of with their mediumship and who the, them themselves were exceptional mediums. So, you know, and the way they taught some of them, I resonated with them a little bit more than others, but they, you know, they, they walk the walk for me. It's, it is being ethical is probably one of the most important things for me that I not only do with my work, but also what I see in my teachers and everyone I've worked with is just so incredibly ethical and has high morals. And they have, I just really, really resonate with, with their principles. What are some of those principles? Gosh, it's, it's working with integrity is being honest. It's being secure with yourself. It's like, you know what, you're not always right. We're, we're as mediums, I'm not always right. Um, taking away that ego that I find so many mediums have showing up for the work and just having like, I remember one of my, my favorite, she's like, you know, spirits show up for us, but we need to show up for them. We don't always show up for them and taking accountability and taking responsibility for our work. Because what we do is so sacred and, you know, we work with people who are in deep grief and, you know, what we can say, one sentence can change a whole life and hopefully for the better. And you have so many irresponsible mediums out there and lazy mediums who really shouldn't be out there. And so these tutors I'm with is they, they work in the highest, the, the, the name escapes me, but they just work with so many like like I said, ethics and principles and just doing the right thing and with respect, not only for the spirit world, but also for the sitter. 
I mean, there's just so much. I mean, like I tell some, some beginning students, I'm like, just because you can make a connection and just because you're a good medium doesn't make you a good person. So, and just like in, in any profession, it just takes a lot of time and dedication and they put in the work and, and their work, it just shows what, who the kind of person they are and the work that, what they've done. And I know you said that at times some mediums will have bad habits or bad approaches what do you mean by that? Um, I, I mean by, and, and you may have seen in others who go to mediums, the thing is a lot of times as sitters, they don't, people aren't really educated of what proper mediumship and exceptional mediumship should be. Um, meaning you may go to mediums, you meaning Liz, you mean, meaning just the general public who's listening is um, as a medium, there's so many bad habits. Like you don't want them to ask the sitter questions. You don't want the sitter to do the work you should be doing. Like, well, does your, do you have a sister? Did your dad have um, a blue car? They're supposed to do the work and that's called lazy mediumship. I mean, even the simple things of like mediumship 101 and it's just things I'm taught. You don't close your eyes when you do a reading. It's just like, I'm not, you would not close your eyes when we're having this a conversation with me, whether it's in person or online, because ha- having your eyes open, that's part of the interaction. And it's, it's part of where also where you get your power of just blending with the person. And it's just, again, you would never have a reunion with your loved ones with your eyes and sitting there with your eyes closed. Little things like that and having what we call the checklist mediums. You know, when you first bring through a spirit, okay, I want to know their age, where they lived, what kind of car, how they died. Da, da, da. That is the medium controlling the reading. That, and it's not a, I mean, if you think about it, and I get, I'm really passionate about this. I mean, I, because I, I know your dad has passed. And let's say we have, you know, it's a demonstration here, meaning um, I'm in front of a whole group where you're part of a large group. And let's say, you know, your dad had five minutes to connect with you again. And me as the medium said, okay, Liz, dad, um, I want you to give, I want you to tell me all these five things, but yet your dad's like, no, I want to talk about Liz and tell her how much I love her. I want to talk about the memory. I want to address what she's doing now and how proud of her I, I am. That." You know, that uh, my job as a medium is to be the voice of what the spirit wants to say, not what I want from the spirit. And it's not fair to the spirit world because even, you know, some mediums will go like, I only want to work with grandmothers. And, you know, and then so even your loved ones who want to, you know, like, let's say you had a best friend, your dad, like, no, no, she doesn't like to work with anybody else but grandmothers. So everyone else step away. That is just so, that's, it's, you will, and, the checklist medium is a, it's, it's a little bit, some people are taught that way, but I was never taught that way. And I think it's just, it speaks for itself where it's, you know, why would you limit your dad? He has five minutes. Why would you control of what he wants to share with you? And, you know, and, and even the passing, and I get really frustrated about this, how mediums say, oh, I want to know the passing. What if, you know, sometimes the passing can be the most difficult and tragic day of someone's life not only for the sitter, but also often for the spirit. So why on earth would you try and force that out of the spirit? 
just to prove something. And I get a, it's just really frustrating for me when I see mediums go, well, let me see how he passed. Well, maybe you had, you know, like a, a loved one who trashed really tragically. I don't want to remember that. The spirit doesn't want to remember that, but yet their ego wants it because it'll prove something. And that I'm really passionate about that because it's, it's not right. Do you ever experience a conflict or is there a conflict even where a sitter you know, the one who's coming in for the reading will say beforehand. I mean, I especially used to do this in my early grief and research, although I don't do it as much now. You know, I like to see what's actually just going to happen naturally, but I'll still do this sometimes. I'll be like before the reading, dad, I want you to say this one thing, which I, of course, say privately to him and not to the medium. Then let's say it's a group reading and my dad comes in for five minutes and that's not what he wants to talk about. Do you ever feel that there's a conflict going on in that situation between what the sitter wants and what the discarnate wants to say? Um, it's, <laughs> I get that a lot. Well, like I can give evidence after evidence and here's, you know, emotional evidence. It's not all about, cause you have your practical evidence, like, and I'm just making this up and I'm not tuning in. I'm just, I just know, cause your, your father's past. Like, well, I know your dad dr drove this car and he, um, he liked reading these kind of certain kind of books and he always used to wear, um, this certain hat and he liked to go fishing. That's all practical evidence. That's all well and good. But there's the emotional evidence of who he was as a person, the relationship he had with you, the relationship he had with, you know, your mom or, or whatnot. So there's that emotional evidence, which is, has more power and more meaning. I mean, it's like, yeah, you already know that he had the car, but is there a story behind the car? Maybe he taught you how to drive things like that. It's, it's not just like a tick, tick, tick about little, little facts. That's all well and good, but it's like, well, and I want to hear about, you know, our shared memories and things like that. But yes, some people go, well, we had a conversation and, and if they died, this is the word they're going to say. Where that by having, because before, whenever I have a sitter, I always tell them release any expectations because they're expecting that and they're expecting their loved one. And, and also, you know, nine times out of 10, a sitter will want to hear from someone specific. I mean, it's, it's usually, but it's also important. They, here's the thing is, this is where it comes in. We want that, but that doesn't necessarily mean we need that at that point in our lives. And also it's not also the, this, there might be a need of the spirit too. There may be a spirit there who really needs to apologize to you or apologize to somebody else in your family because it helps their healing. Cause there's, there's so much, there's three people involved. There's you, the sitter the healing of the sitter and also the healing of the spirit because it's all about healing. And so Tom, sometimes it's the spirit that needs that healing. And like, like with my mom, she comes through still all the time because she has her own healing to do. I've had closure with her passing. I, you know, everything's all good. You know, we didn't have the best relationship, but she knows that now she knows where kind of things went wrong. And so she has to learn how to heal herself and forgive herself. So that's why she comes through all a lot of the time. But going back to the, the word, the spirit world is quite, is, is quite intelligent. And I think people don't give them enough credit for it. But 
sometimes I would, you know, if there was, um, like actually my aunt and I, we had this one word before I was into this <laughs> and, uh, a spirit, a medium was giving me a practice. We were in a practice reading and she brought through my aunt and she mentioned the word a medium did. I'm like, well, isn't that interesting? But she wasn't looking for the word. I wasn't expecting a word. And that's the thing. It naturally just dropped in. And so that is when it's like, oh, that's really neat. Because I wasn't, I was never looking, you know, I would say, oh, you know, wouldn't it be funny if that she, but it was never, and, and I, it was never expected. I just thought it was really funny how it just worked. <laughs> and I'm like, and the medium just go, Oh, I feel this is, you know, the secret word. It's, it, it doesn't happen like that. I mean, I even gave one and this woman said, you know, she was hoping she, the dad would mention this fifth thing about Hawaii. And I said, you know, I feel like he, he loves like a trip to Hawaii. There's something about Hawaii. I didn't know what it was, but it meant something to the sitter. And I think sometimes when people have that expectation or that want, they lose and they lose so much of what was said and they miss the boat. I shouldn't say they miss the boat, but they just miss so much that they're so focused on one thing. They lose out on just an amazing time with their loved one. So it's, that's why it's always important to, I always say before a reading, you know, lose expectations of who you want to hear from. And if you have someone you want to hear from, release all expectations of what that you want them to say to you or what you hope they're going to say to you. It's easier said than done on the sitter's part, but, but if you go into that, you know, and here's the thing is if you're really in grief, that's also my responsibility as I'm blending with you, because you may come to me for a mediumship reading, but I, as I tune in, I'm not tuning into you, but I'm just saying, if you came to me, I would be tuning into you, see what is your need? Cause you may not need a mediumship reading at the time. You may be going through you know, some really difficult things in your life now, where I feel it would be more of your soul's telling me that I need help in my living life. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to start off with, and then I would start blending with you like, right now, I feel like you're being pulled this way and that and you're having a hard time setting boundaries. Would you understand that? I'd be like, Oh, my God, yeah. So then I would kind of unfold that. But in the meantime, I would be also aware of your loved ones, who may want to come in and just say, Hey, we're here for you. So it, it can be a combination of both, but sometimes it's the sitter may come in for a want, but that doesn't also, you know, it's our responsibility as a means to know what the sitter needs to. I have a question about how you get the information. I know since studying this, you learn the words like clairaudient, which means mediums will hear, clairsentient, which means feeling the information. So how about you? Do you get it? like any of those specific clairs, as people call them? Well, I get it in however the spirit wants to give it to me. I've smelled it. I've tasted it. Well, what's interesting is because before I even knew it, when I, when I was doing paranormal investigating and spirit was just working me within different ways before I even learned about proper mediumship and training, I always drink water during my investigations and, and even with my sittings. And they would turn my water into a drink they liked. You would just taste it, like you could be tasting like wine or Coke or something. I just tasted it, yeah. And um, <laughs> and so I remember this one place, they turned it into moonshine. I've never had moonshine. And, I'm, and I almost had to spit out the water because it was so, I'm like, oh my God. But it's fun now because when I have the water, I can feel when the spirit's saying like, take a drink. I want, it, I want to drink again. 
and they'll turn it into a drink they loved. And I'll say, you know what? I feel like your mom, she loved her a little bit of whiskey. And then there's a story behind that. So it's just being open however the spirit wants to use my abilities um, or my senses, I should say. But the clear sentience, the clear feeling is the root of all the clairs. So it all goes back to the clear feeling, the clear sentience, clear feeling, and the clear cognizance of the clear knowing. So they kind of work really in tandem. But, um, and it, and I think as, as mediums develop and we're always developing and things are shift, spirit shifts things on us. Like I was really strong with my um, clairsentience. And then it's like, no, I think I need to work on my clairaudience. And they're like, okay. And so it's just shifting that intention. Then I started working that and straight, it's like muscles. They're different muscles. And you're constantly growing. It sounds like in your abilities. Constantly growing. Yeah. Yeah. So I will ask you, first of all, what would you say to a skeptical person, not an argumentative skeptical person, but someone like me early on who just is in deep grief, wants this to be true, and but just can't believe it is? What is what would you say to them? Um, well, it would be one, th- it, it would be different because sometimes if you came to me, because there's one thing is like, I will never push my, uh, like you won't see me going up to someone saying, oh, your grandmother's here wants to say hello, like in a random, that's just not okay. It's not appropriate. You know, this is, I'm not one to convince you otherwise. You, you know, if, if it, again, if it's the right time and, then spirit knows that with you, with others who may feel that way. They're like, no, no, no. This is just where she is right now. And she has to go through her lessons, through her life journey. And, you know, she will find the answers if she really wants to. And we'll, we'll put them in front of her as much as we can, you know. And she's like, oh. You put this thing in front of her, but no, or this experience, and she dismissed it. Darn it, we're gonna have to try again. So, you know, but it's 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 tough because I've had some hardcore, and I don't believe in any of this. And I can feel like their loved ones saying, you know, it doesn't matter what you say, they're not gonna believe you. And it's like, okay, so I have to just honor that and just honor and what you bring to the table and where you are in your grief. And that also is part of my response is I can tune into, I know when somebody's like, I know it's like, okay, this is going to be an interesting reading. And that's usually when I will go into the psychic work is because we all like to hear about ourselves and what's going on in our lives. So sometimes they're not in that right space to have a mediumship reading for many different reasons. But again, it's, it's not one for me to, to say, no, how can you not believe, you know, part of me is like, well, you know, how could you not believe? But I'm not going to say that. But, you know, it's like, well, you know what, if she, it's, it's her journey, it's your journey. And if she has questions, or anyone there, I'm, I'm here to answer them, it's the best of my ability. And yeah, I could be wrong. But this is just from my experience. This is, you know, what I know. I would say to anyone like that, who's been like me, just listen, get different readings, read yeah. books, read books on the science. And it kind of starts to come together like tiny, tiny pieces of a yeah. massive puzzle because I thought there was almost zero chance, but I wouldn't, I, ha- I had to give it a shot because I was so devastated. You know, it's, it just opens so many questions and it's, I mean, even I had the questions when I was little, I didn't realize it, 
And it's like, if you just keep questioning, the answers will be there. You'll find the answers. And I mean, you found the answers. But it, the best is when I, and, and other mediums have said this too, but the best is when I'm connecting with somebody who never believed in this. And I could feel, I'm like, your mom didn't believe in this at all. And the sitter's like, oh my God, yeah. And actually, it's, it's usually the men, I have to say this, but it's usually the men who I sense who go, your dad never believed in this at all. Oh my God. He, and he would argue with, he's like, this isn't even possible. I'm not even speaking with you. And I'm like, well, yeah, you are. <laughs> and I know another medium connected with a, a man who it was firmly against his religion about the afterlife. Like it just, once you die, you die. But I mean, it was his belief system of like, once you die, you die. And so, and I, cause I do remember he was actually reading like, or you would go to hell or something. And he was reading some Bible. The medium was like, yeah, he's reading this verse. And yet he was giving evidence that it, the afterlife didn't exist, but yet here he was connecting with his loved ones. And it's the person like processing information and growing. Yeah, and growing and evolving and different awareness. It's, it's kind of funny in some ways, especially when the people are like, I don't believe in this. And it's like, well, this is not possible, but it is happening. There's a great quote I love. Well, I know Lloyd says it through Martin Caden as it shouldn't be happening, happening but, it, but is. it is. Yeah. And then Ian Stevenson said, I didn't say it's true. I just said it happened. Oh. And those were two quotes I carried with me very early on in my research. And I still do on some of my like more anxious or sad days where I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. You don't have to believe there's an afterlife. It doesn't make sense that consciousness continues out of a brain. It's not true yet. This happened and this happened and this happened. So how do you explain it? And even as you're saying that, I mean, even when you work as a medium or a psychic, it's just, and even we have to get out of our own way. If we just, our ego, if we get out the, the truest sense of ego, we just get out of our own way. Amazing. It's like, yay, now we can do this. And this is, you know, when you're working with spirit, anything's possible. Well, I always like hearing things like you saying, if you have your own way, because all the mediums I know, and I've become friends with some, you guys are just such normal people. And I think once you get to know the people who are mediums, who are paranormal investigators, and you just see how normal everyone is, it just gives it an, a credibility and evidence here. Like these are just regular people just like me. For me, that actually helped give it a lot of credibility. Yeah, I mean, just everyday people. And so I will finish up with a final question. Sure. What do you think is the biggest misconception? What's some like a walk away you want people? I guess it could be either like biggest misconception about what you do or like a real walk away that you want people to understand that you feel they don't. I think it's just so important that people realize that, you know, love never dies. It really doesn't. And, you know, if you ask someone, well, what is love? You can't really describe it. It's just a feeling. It's a, it's a knowing. It's more than a believing. It's a knowing. And so I think is just knowing that love never dies and, and knowing that our, our loved ones will, are still with us, but just in a different form, in a different way. And it's just, we can have, and we can learn to have a new kind of relationship with them. And it's just different. I mean, we all have our finite self, which has the grief, the, hum, the, the, the natural human feelings. But then there's an infinite self that knows that love never dies. Our consciousness still lives on. 
So it's just kind of understanding all of that, which can take some time and our own time. So, but I think the biggest takeaway is love never dies. Well, I guess, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to say or anything else you want to add? Oh, let's see. I love my cheeseburgers, medium rare. <laughs> it's always important. That's one of my favorite meals. There's like you said, there's so many things. There's so many things under this umbrella. You can talk about, you know, there's the mediumship aspect to things. There's proper mediumship, how to, you know, what exceptional mediumship should look like. There's experiences that of near near death. What is that? Even reincarnation, you know, is there a belief in that? The evidence, it's all like you, like I'm a skeptic. It's like, well, what is the evidence of that? Give me proof, not really proof, but what is the evidence? If you tell me something, what is your reasoning behind it? And so I think we don't always ask enough questions. We take things too much at face value. And it's okay to ask a medium, well, what kind of training have you had? Because so many people take a week-long training and then they hang up a, a, a shingle saying, okay, now I'm working. They have the cards and start a website. Or they get, the biggest thing is they get a certificate of, of completion, which is not anything. Anyone can get that. So that always cracks me up. And yet they rely on that. I got one of those. Did <laughs> you? <laughs> giving people reading. So. <laughs> but it's, you know, I think it's just being inquisitive. And I mean, there's just so much that we can chat about. And, and I hope, you know, people's minds are open. There's just more to this than what meets the eye, too. So it's just stay curious. I, I really, and, and ask questions and just anything is possible. Well, yeah, most anything is possible. Club Care is a charity organization founded by Emma Justice after the loss of her father, David Justice, to glioblastoma. Club Care is dedicated to supporting children and families dealing with cancer. They strive to create joyful moments through meaningful projects impacting individual families, as well as larger oncology communities. Funding for all projects is raised through philanthropic donations. Go to makingheadway.org backslash clubcare programs for a complete list of programs and activities. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to share that my book, What the Fuck Just Happened? A Sciencey Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife is available now for sale. If you go to wtfjusthappened.net, you can see the link to buy it. I'll also have the link in the podcast show notes. I know many of you want to know how exactly did I come to change my mind about the afterlife? Well, this book is all about the first stages of my exploration into this afterlife evidence to where I'm at today. It starts with the awful part of when I lost my dad, how as a science-minded atheist, I first began to explore if there was any possibility of an afterlife and what and who I found most compelling. I also share some stuff that was not so compelling, such as a very clearly fake psychic medium reading and a pretty ridiculous seance, but that's balanced by some amazing peer-reviewed studies on mediums, medium readings, parapsychologists, and just a whole bunch of what the fucks, including some 
really inexplicable personal things that happened to me and some really incredible signs I got from my dad. Despite the topic, it's actually funny, mainly because I'm just like such an awkward person. And you also get to learn about all the amazing people and incredible characters I met along the way, as well as more about the research that helped change my mind. And some of the people you learn about have become some of my really good friends and mentors today. So go to WTFJustHappened.net and order it. If you've already read it, please rate and review on Amazon. I cannot tell you how helpful that is. And share with any friends who might be interested. Thank you all. I'm so excited to finally share the full details of this crazy exploration with all of you. And now we're going to pause for a second for the question of the week. Eric asks, is there anything you would have done differently or any regrets in your research? Um, I don't know if in one sense, I just see a few little things along the way. I wish with the very first medium I went to, I had given a Google voice. I address that in the book. That's really the only thing I would say, oh, I should have done that differently. Nevertheless, she did know stuff that could not have been found out by Googling my phone number. And if she had Googled, she wasn't as good as if she Googled, such as getting like my dad's full name and date of passing and all the public record stuff she could have gotten if she just had Googled. And then I'd say really like for a while I was really considered this a regret and felt bitter. Um, kind of the whole path that I found the people who helped me, you know, from forever family to the mediums. Um, my main mentor who just was my rock, Fran Ginsburg, passed away and I really had a sort of periods of like bitterness and regret that this was the path in the sense that I I did go down this path out of scientific fascination. I do think this is the biggest, most remarkable scientific discoveries. And of course, I also went to heal my grief. So I felt very, in a way, angry and betrayed. Like, okay, so I go to heal my grief. I find what I would say are like some of the perfect people to help me. And I end up getting my heart shattered again. And I felt sort of if there is consciousness on the other side that are helping orchestrate this, I felt pretty pissed off as if they'd sort of set me up to just be crushed again. But in terms of how I've handled my research, no, I, do, I don't have regrets. And I guess when it comes down to it, despite my heartache of another loss, I wouldn't do it differently where I never had gotten to meet Fran or never had gotten to meet Forever Family and the close friends I've made through it. So that's that's the answer. I've been getting a lot of questions, which I'm always happy to reply to and answer. If you have a question you want me to reply to, but not to read on this podcast, just note in it, not for the podcast. I'm happy to answer your questions either way. You can email them to me at liz at wtfjusthappened.net 
or send them to me on Instagram at WTF underscore just underscore happened underscore. This was such a good conversation. I completely lost track of time and lost myself in it. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Where can everyone find you? Yeah, I do um, readings. I can do them on the phone, online, in person. I don't have an office, so I will come to you. Either I can come to their home or we can meet like in a park or somewhere more quiet. But I do have some clients who don't live near, but then we just do an online. And then as far as the paranormal, a lot of people will have some things that go bump in the night in their home. I can always talk to them and just kind of ask questions so I can kind of tune into the home and see what's going on. So I can help people in that way too. Probably the best way to reach me is my email, which is mariahthemedium at yahoo.com. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. I'm also on, you know, the good old Instagram. You know, I'm at under the the paranormal concierge. And that's kind of how I go by because I can do different things like, well, how can I help you? Not only to the living, but also to the spirit world. And I was a concierge for 13 years. So it kind of was kind of fun. But um, so my Instagram is the paranormal concierge. My Twitter handle is at paraconcierge and concierge is spelled C-O-N. C-I-E-R-G-E. So, and then my Facebook account, which I'm not on a lot. It's my public one. It's the Paranormal Concierge. I'm kind of pulling back a little bit from social media, but I think those are the, the different options. See what I'm doing, what I'm not doing. To get more information on what the fuck just happened, go to wtfjusthappened.net. There you can order my book, what the Fuck Just Happened, a sciency skeptic explores grief, healing, and evidence of an afterlife. And you can learn all about how I came to conclude that there most likely is an afterlife. You can also learn about the early stages of my grief and the amazing, fascinating people I met along the way. You can also read about how much I harassed them trying to get evidence see if they were cheating, and see if they were sane. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It makes such a difference, especially for a new podcast like this one. And if any of you have had a crazy what the fuck yourself, have any questions, feedback, or just want to say hi, reach out on either Instagram at WTF underscore just underscore happened underscore or email me at hello at WTF just happened.net. And remember, you don't have to draw any final conclusions as you wonder what the fuck just happened. <laughs>